welcome to Her Journey Podcast, where we talk with incredible, talented, and powerful women about their experiences. My name is Aline, and I'm your host, and today I am joined with Audrey, the founder of WeTech and a current student at Stanford University. So yeah, I'd love to start by getting to know you a little bit more and uh, learning a little bit more about your background. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Aileen. Really excited to be speaking. Um, my name is Audrey Pei. I am the founder and executive director of WeTech, which is short for Women in Technology. We are a global youth-led nonprofit organization based in the Philippines, but with 19 chapters spread out across nine countries around the world that aims to educate, inspire, and empower youth to break gender barriers and use tech to make a difference in society. When I'm not working on that, I'm a freshman at Stanford University, where I intend to major in either science, technology, and society, or symbolic systems. And I was born and raised in the Philippines, and this is my first time really living in, in the U.S., so just like outside of the country. Yeah, that's incredible and super exciting. Um, so yeah, and I, from what I know about you so far, you seem to be pretty involved and interested in, you know, fields like technology and education. So can you tell me a little bit about those two interests and maybe some of the experiences within those two fields that sort of led you to dive deeper into those topics? For sure, for sure. I think I started developing an interest in technology when I was in middle school. And in the Philippines, under the Philippine curriculum, we have to take this nationally mandated computer class, but it has very little to do with programming and startups and more on how to use platforms like Microsoft Office. Think about Word, PowerPoint, Excel. I didn't think much of that, much less a career in tech, until one day my teacher decided to go completely off curriculum and introduced us to this game where a snake had to navigate a maze using blocks that represented lines of code. I remember thinking for the first time in my life that, wow, this is what the technology I use on a pretty day-to-day -day basis, like via social media or like websites, that sort of thing. Like this is what the tech I rely on is made of. And I just became really fascinated by this idea of learning more about these technologies and and how they're they're made, how I can potentially be able to contribute to this like exciting, ever-growing field of tech. Um, and when I reached high school, I started talking more actively about my interest in tech and discovered the gender gap in the field when I received kind of a pushback from my community in, in pursuing tech. And that really led me to going to this Google search that showed me statistics about how, like, according to the Philippine Startup Survey, only 18% of tech startups in the Philippines are founded by women. And according to Payscale, women in tech are internationally paid 18 to 22% less than their male counterparts. And... Mm -hmm. Just reading those statistics instead of being swayed from a career in tech instead made me really, really think about the ways in which we can make this fast-paced, ever-growing field more inclusive for everybody, regardless of their gender. And that idea transformed into technology education and really bringing tech education to, to low-income communities when after hosting like, the first Women in Tech conference for students and my students in the Philippines, uh, my team and I really observed how, like, in the country, there was were yes gender barriers to, to for youth to enter technology, but also very much so like socioeconomic barriers um, that limited a lot of young people from going into tech because the Philippines is still very much a developing nation. So, combining those interests, I'm really looking forward to continuing the work we do at WeTech, in which we go to low-income communities and we bring tech equipment, tech modules, and also continuing our annual Women in Tech conference, our Women in Tech talks, and just different initiatives online presently that aim to really like build this future where anybody can access tech. Mm -hmm. 
Right, definitely. Like, that's such an amazing mission and, you know, thing that you're doing right now. And I definitely agree that there is a need for this. And it's so incredible that you were able to really make a difference through, you know, your work and your projects. And I know you mentioned you were from the Philippines. And so um, is that so you mentioned you started WeTech in the Philippines? Is that correct? Yes. So I founded WeTech the WeTech blog specifically when I was 15 back in 2016. Uh, then we grew into a community organization when we hosted um, the first Women in Tech conference for students and by students in the Philippines in partnership with Accenture. And that was around like 2017, 2018, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, yeah, I'd love to learn a little bit more about this organization you founded, about what exactly WeTech is, not only in the past, but sort of maybe the projects and work that you do now within this nonprofit? Mm -hmm. Currently, because of the pandemic, we've really been focusing on technology for education and really seeing that without technology, there is no education, especially with the shift to online learning. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, when it first hit the Philippines, we did a fundraiser in partnership with the Unang Hakbang Foundation to raise funds for low-income kids that were at risk of dropping out of school due to the lack of access to technology equipment. So we were able to fundraise for some tablets to buy these kids. Um, along with that, we were able to shift our events and our conferences online and create opportunities for people around the world, not just from the Philippines, to engage with women in technology, hear their stories, learn from them in their workshops, that sort of thing. Um, we're still very much navigating how to transition our Women in Tech Teach program, um, but we've seen some of our chapters do like Zoom calls, so our We Tech Batangas chapter is doing like an online tutoring program and we're seeing how that works out. Um, but overall, we really want to be able to, to raise awareness as to how, if we're talking about education as a basic human right, we're also going to need to talk about technology as a basic human right. So that's very much what we're advocating for. And I like to I like to think of WeTech as something that is going to help, yes, close those barriers, but also a part of me hopes that at some point the work that we're doing is no longer going to be relevant, which seems like a weird thing to say. But I say this because at the end of the day, like when our work becomes irrelevant, that means that the problem that we were founded on the basis on is solved. So that's like my biggest hope for WeTech, that we can ever, we can exist one time or not need to exist because we will be living in the world where all students like around the world get access to technology and are able to like use it for education, use it for social good, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an amazing goal. And I think that what you're doing already is so amazing. And you've already accomplished a ton of amazing things and done so many incredible projects. And so do you have maybe any favorite projects you've done within this organization, maybe in the past, or maybe any favorite events that you've held? Ooh, that's a tricky one, because there's just so many amazing memories. But I have to say that one of the ones that really sticks with me is that first Women in Tech conference that we hosted. And the youngest participants at that conference were in middle school. So I think they were about 14, 13, 14. And these two young girls, um, one of them, her name is Mona. She, a couple of months later, dressed up for Halloween as like a software engineer. And her mom reached out to me on Facebook saying that Mona wanted to interview me for her school's essay. And when I asked what the essay was about, it was to write about somebody that you look up to. And that made me want to cry because I think growing up, I... I really experienced a lack of, of tech role models in the sense that when I thought about big figures in tech, I thought of middle-aged white guys like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. So just the idea that like we're creating spaces for young girls like Mona 
to grow up and just have so many like women in tech role models based on the conferences that they go to or just like online like that's an idea that really keeps me going and really makes me optimistic about the future of technology Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's seriously so incredible. And the fact that you started it like when you were still in high school is like so amazing to me. And so the fact that you started in high school, was that something that, you know, posed challenges at first? Or do you think that um, maybe because you started it at such a young age, you, fe- you felt there were like specific obstacles in the way? Or did you feel like, um, you know, that it was something that you definitely could handle? And, uh, you know, that it was pretty successful at first. Starting a nonprofit as a high schooler definitely had its challenges. Uh, <laughs> I remember just like full disclosure, I did just like wake up one day and was like, oh, I'm going to start a nonprofit and these are going to be our projects. Like it definitely wasn't like that. It wasn't that easy. Uh, <laughs> it really started with just not being able to sleep at night because I was so caught up in like this issue of the gender gap. And there would be nights where, like, I would just lay in my bed and I'd be, like, reading, like, all these articles on my phone, like, TED Docs, these sort of things about the gender gap. And just keep keep me on questioning, like, why are these things the way that they are? And at some point, I, I hit a point where I wanted to, to channel that energy into something productive, into something that would actually help change the way that the tech scene is. And to me, that was launching the WeTech blog. So I say to a lot of... Uh, young people that are considering starting a nonprofit, that like defining the problem that you want to help solve is the most important part and being so passionate about it that you can't sleep at night like I think that's a good sign that you're really invested in it because at the end of the day I think that nonprofit work is very difficult because of its if the nature of it being you know literally not for profit like you don't work to get like a certain sum of money or like a certain like amount um you don't have like a goal of like amount of money that you you want to make but at the end of the day it's about like impact and it's about the people whose lives you want to help shape and really as a high school student to worry about those things and to balance that with like academics with applying to college with just growing up like that was a lot for me to navigate but I'm really grateful because my parents are very supportive. Like they're not in tech per se. They're both they both were former bankers, but they really had like the supportiveness to the point where when I said I wanted to do this thing to start VTech, instead of being like, You're crazy for wanting to do this at fifteen, they instead were like, What's the plan of action? What is this gonna look like? What are some of like the pain points you're trying to address? So really like having them just like believe inherently in the idea that I was trying to set forward was really, really great. And also just this this attitude I had about um I think I just approached this whole thing by thinking that my biggest regret would be if I didn't try and I do that with a lot of like my life decisions I think even like applying to Stanford I I, I applied because I I thought to myself like I have the privilege of being able to like afford the application fees and I give it a shot you know and I think that's something that not a lot of people have so I was thinking like what do I have to lose by like submitting an application and like just trying so those are kind of just like the key takeaways I've had like throughout the process of, of starting WeTech and being with WeTech for four going on five years. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you definitely never know if you can do something unless you try it. And like you said, having a support system is super important. And I think that's amazing that, you know, while having this ambition, you were able to have, you know, people who supported you along the way. And yeah, I'd I'd love to hear even more about maybe the process behind, you know, first running WeTech and maybe, 
Did you have a team to help you, not only your parents and sort of how you were able to grow it to, you know, what it is today? Because what you have now is something so amazing and you have so many chapters across the world and I think that's so incredible. So yeah, I'd love to learn more about kind of how you grew your organization as a whole. Oh, firstly, thank you so much for all the kind things you said about WeTag. It makes me so happy and you can't see me if I'm smiling really big. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I think the growth of WeTag can really be attributed to the power of social media and the power of using social media to really mobilize young people. And I say this because before going into this nonprofit scene, I always just thought of Instagram as like this very casual platform to just like connect with friends. And while that's true, these past couple of years have been me like documenting WeTech projects, posting them online. And that's how I've been able to secure some exciting like speaking engagements and like do workshops and like just connect with young people that are passionate about similar, like the similar things to, to what I'm doing with the gender gap in tech. And we've been able to build this community at WeTech. We've been able to grow over like 150 members because of social media. And that's also, in fact, like how our chapter program really started. It began with people reaching out to our WeTech account online saying, oh, do you have WeTech events in like Malaysia or like on the US? And when we'd say no, we'd, we'd kind of turn the question around and we'd be like, but are you interested in collaborating with us starting a chapter? And we'll give you resources to help you start these events. Like we'll help connect you to speakers and like mentors and things like that. And I think a, a big a big struggle for a lot of young people, at least in my experience as well, is that you don't really know where to start. But with our WeTech chapter program, we do give like guiding steps. You do like, get, uh, get assigned to a regional director, chapter coordinator to help with that process of like starting a chapter. So yeah, it's been a mix of social media and just like really figuring things out. Like, I don't think there is one way to like build up a nonprofit. Like, you can take different routes, but for us, like as a team organically, we're just like from different parts of the Philippines and different parts of the world. So social media, online meetings, like online work has really just been something that we've been used to. So when the pandemic did hit, it wasn't that huge a shift in terms of like our actual internal operations, but more so like a shift in like stopping like doing in-person events and really thinking about how to recalibrate and make things like optimized for, for online learning. Mm -hmm, definitely and like you said like with the pandemic I know you were doing in-person events a lot of the time before and so would you say like having this pandemic even though like you were able to um you know you would have to figure out new ways to you know host events and things like that would you feel like having this pandemic was maybe an opportunity or more of a challenge for you I think that the pandemic was definitely a challenge. It was a challenge mm -hmm. in the sense that it really has disrupted so many lives. And it's it's been a horrible thing to, to see students um, that really have their educations um, disrupted because of because of the lack of connectivity. Um, there'd be articles online, like in the Philippines, about students having to climb mountains just to be able to get internet connection and like submit their work. And just really crazy stories like that. Uh, that remind me and remind my peers as well about the privilege that we have about inherently just being, being able to like hop on Zoom calls and go to online classes and like not everybody has that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been it's been difficult as well like shifting our events online because we know that not everybody has access to that. And there's just this continuous question about like how do we get to the communities that have don't have that connection, don't have that Wi-Fi, don't have those resources. Um, and I think 
it's also been somewhat of an opportunity for us to start more discussions though about like the connection of technology to education because when we talk about like the importance of technology pre-pandemic people would be like yeah like that's it's a that's an interesting thing but like why don't we focus on other like necessities like 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 food clothes shelter like those things that a lot of like low-income like students need and those are so valid but i think now more than ever because of the pandemic people are having a heightened sense of awareness about how no technology basically means like no education nowadays so there's been a bigger opportunity to start conversations like i think a lot of people have been like more aware of that accessibility app um, but as a whole like it's been really really challenging doing things like during this these really like uncertain times and i know that's such a line um to be like oh uncertain times but i i do mean that in the sense that we don't really know how far this is going to keep going in terms of like not being able to hold like in-person events or being able to go to low-income communities and bring tech to them um because i really can't wait for the for the day in which we can we can go back to like doing our women in tech teach programs and really seeing these kids and teaching them hands-on and like there's no there's no words really for seeing the excitement on like a kid's face when they open a laptop for the first time or they they write their first line of code and just I hope to be able to witness that again sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are this pandemic has really just opened everyone's eyes and I know so many organizations that have started, you know, to really like help those who are being um, more negatively impacted by the pandemic and I think that it's important to you know, get reminded once in a while of, you know, the inequities that we have in the world. So I think it's amazing that you're doing these incredible things and, um, you know, kind of fighting back and making these opportunities accessible for everyone. Um, but yeah, and I know that this is all global. So even though you were based in the Philippines, you have a ton of different chapters. And we talked a little bit about how your chapters kind of, you, you provide resources to them so that they can host events and projects and things like that. Um, And so I'd love to know more about kind of how all these chapters are connected to each other, or would you say they are run a little more separately? Mm -hmm. Really great question. And the way that our organizational structure works is that I, as executive director, oversee and really well really oversee i take that back that sounds really rigid i collaborate and i just like keep updated with a group of amazing chapter coordinators from different parts of the world so we have chapter coordinators that oversee different regions so we have somebody that oversees all the philippine chapters all of the asian chapters except for the philippines for like north, one for north america south america and europe that sort of thing and those chapter coordinators are in charge of supervising the different chapter heads um, from their assigned region and just like continuously giving feedback to them, checking in with them, seeing what resources they need. And if ever they have a question that the chapter coordinators aren't able to address, they're like forward to me. Um, and But in a sense, like there is, they're quite autonomous, but at the same time quite connected because we have like bonding sessions, we have like an open like discord for different chapter heads to just talk and like collaborate. And when we have like different opportunities, given to the organization as a whole that are that are able to be accessed internationally, we'll put that in the Discord and like people will be able to access community events, invites, that sort of thing from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And you have such a large team already. I was looking at your website and I know you have a ton of different roles, positions and things like that. And so um, how are you able to like manage having so many chapters and so many things going on at the same time, you know, balancing um, in the past school and other activities and, um, you know, things of that sort. 
it's been really crazy, really just balancing college and and Muitak, and especially when I was in, in high school and balancing college up season. It was very intense, to put it lightly, in the sense that I feel like when in much of my high school life was going by the thought process that if I wasn't working on WeTech, I was studying. If I wasn't studying, I was working on WeTech. And I've been a lot more deliberate lately about like self-care and like making time to, to just unwind and not think about work or schoolwork. Um, but it helps really that at the end of the day, I don't feel like the work that I'm doing with WeTech is actual work because I'm doing it because I love it. And same goes with, with college classes. Like right now, I'm taking some amazing classes about artificial intelligence and the public life of science and technology. And like these are things I've chosen to take and I'm I'm really interested in. Um, so that's been a really big motivator in, in putting in like the time and effort into these classes. And also with, with WeTech and just balancing like school, um, social life, um, nonprofit work, all of that. It's been something that I'm still continuously trying to get better at. I think I'm still a constant work in progress when it comes to managing my time and thinking about how to take care of myself. But at the end of the day, it really helps that at Stanford, I've made some really incredible friends that are also doing work, whether it's with their own companies or nonprofits or like passion projects. Like everybody at Stanford more or less like has something going on that's also like taking time out of the day, like besides studying. And I think that's just really exciting to be with people like that and to just have them also like tell me about what they're going through and for us just to have like that community of like like-mindedness and it's been nice because we also like take breaks together and we, we remind each other that like it's okay to rest and it's okay to not be like buying into like that toxic like work 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 hustle culture mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah I totally agree with that and I think you know running a nonprofit it teaches you a lot not only about management but also you know, just how to build a community and, um, you know, a lot of other different types of things. And it really contributes to your personal growth as well. And so would you say that founding WeTech has helped you reach some of your other or external goals or has contributed to your personal growth or knowledge in general? Yeah, definitely. Founding WeTech has been such an integral part of my life in the sense that it's given me a sense of community. It's given me a platform to be able to to talk to a lot of students around the world about the gender gap in tech, about tech accessibility. I think it's also just, just given me the sense of purpose because I wake up every day and even though I do have days where I snooze my alarm, I, I wake up pretty much on most days really excited and pumped and like ready to like take on each day, knowing that I have WeTech work to look forward to, knowing that I have classes that I am taking and, and friends that I, I, I love. And I think kind of to just like add to that, as well, it's, it's also just, I'm always surrounded by like this feeling of gratitude. And I think that also just comes from being lucky to be here on campus. Um, not everybody was welcomed back to campus for this quarter, but because I'm an international student, I was able to stay for visa issues and to avoid visa issues, my bad. But we're all just like being able to to walk around and like breathe and like and like do work outside. It's just been so rejuvenating. And it just reminds me that one day, like, I want to be able to help bring the level of opportunity, the level of access that I have, like at the very least to like so many other students, especially from like my home country, the Philippines that don't have like even like basic like laptop or like Wi-Fi connectivity. So just like really being in this very heavily saturated tech environment, like Stanford has really made me reflect a lot about 
how not everybody gets this, but I hope someday everybody will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Stanford is also such an incredible school. So that is such an amazing accomplishment that you have. And yeah, so actually talking a little bit about that, um, say that, you know, getting into Stanford and um, all of that, that entire experience at the school has been a surprise to you or, you know, has it opened up a lot of opportunities you never thought you might have? I love it here at Stanford. It definitely has opened up so many opportunities that I have never dreamt of before. I say this because the professors are incredible. I During my freshman fall quarter, I was able to take two classes with 15 people or less that were taught by full-time professors with more than 15 years of teaching experience. And just the level of of conversations of like respect that that goes between like the professors I've experienced so far here and the students is is so invaluable and I really I really love being able to stay behind sometimes during class and asking additional questions or showing up to office hours and really being able to learn from people that quite literally most of the time like wrote the textbooks or like were behind the theories that we're studying and it's it's just crazy like it's such an intellectually stimulating environment but at the end of the day it doesn't feel stiff it doesn't feel rigid because so many people here are just up to crazy things but you won't know until like you're an R or maybe like a month into like knowing them like I literally I've met people here that nearly went to the Olympics for whatever sport they're doing, that have won like national science fair competitions, that have helped like blind or like and deaf like elderly like navigate on travel like pre-COVID. Like such incredible people with their own stories and own projects. And that I feel like in a sense I'm so much more open to like socializing now versus like when I was in high school. Um because of how every person I meet here just has such an interesting, compelling story about their life or, like, the work that they've done. And if they feel like they don't, like, chances are they do and they're just being really humble. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think, like, it's such an incredible thing to be able to learn about different people's stories and, you know, see that everybody is making, like, an impact of their own. Like, I think that's so incredible. And I know we kind of talked a little bit about you know, how you have grown so much, you know, from not only uh, starting WeTech, but also running it and um, gaining these opportunities at, after moving to the U.S. And so do you think that if you had decided not to start WeTech, that you would still be the same person you are today with the same goals, interests, mindset, and, you know, so on and uh, accomplish you know, all these things. If I did not start VTech, I do not think I would be the person I am today. And not just because of how it takes up so much of my time and like headspace now, but also just because of how many incredible experiences and people I've, I've met throughout these almost five years. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much mm-hmm. about what it's like to, to have like a work-life balance. I've learned about what it's like to have to make difficult decisions because of because of work and because of um making commitments and things like that like it's a lot of adulting I guess for lack of a better term when I was in high school that I had to go through and I felt like because of that I've had to to mature in in a way that I didn't expect to have to do very early on and I don't say that with any like regrets or anything um I say this because I think in hindsight it helped prepare me even better for college 
especially now that I'm living like across the world from my family my parents are, are like in a 16 hour time difference from me and I've I've gotten used to having to be apart from them but not for this long but like in smaller like doses because of like conferences and events and like talks and things like that where I'd have to travel pre-COVID but I think behind all of that like WeTech has also just been a consistent reminder in my life that that if you care about something just so strongly and you you put your mind to it and do something to channel that emotion that you feel about a certain issue like things can happen and you can you can create change in that in that industry in that field and when I have rough days and I've had rough days especially in high school where I would just be so exhausted barely got any sleep I would have a favorite vacuum stall to actually cry in in my high school's um in my high school's toilet it was quite funny but not at the moment but now it's funny and I feel like if I didn't have like those rough patches it wouldn't have made the the sweeter bits um of what's come of WeTech like more like as enjoyable and I say that because I always like to remember the feeling that I had when I felt that like feel like I belong in tech when I was in in my freshman year and I and I look back at that and I, and I use it to motivate me to keep going so that young girls around the world presently and in the future never have to feel the way that I did mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah you've done these incredible things and I just love how you know you really take the time to make change and you know um, advocate for others to also make change and so I just love all the work that you're doing and I also know that, you know, you do a lot of public speaking and um, you kind of talk about tech and your work and uh, making change in that field. And so I would love to learn a little more about what kind of topics you usually speak about. Public speaking has been something that's taken up such a huge part of my life since since starting WeTech. And I think that it's also just been a really great way for me to connect with people from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, the very first speaking engagement I did, which has left such a lasting impression in my brain, was when I spoke to, at the ASEAN Young Entrepreneurs Carnival. So that's Association of Southeast Asian Nations, um, Young Entrepreneurs Carnival, to an audience of over 4,000 young entrepreneurs from across the Southeast Asian region. And that was the first time I had ever publicly talked about WeTech with people that were complete strangers. <laughs> and it was exciting. Like I think my, my mom asked me, I think just a couple of months ago, like, were you nervous when you did that? And I think more than anything, I was shaking because of excitement. Um, and I was just so invested in, and not just like being like, oh, wow, it's me in front of 4,000 people. It was more like, oh, wow, 4,000 people are going to know about what we're doing at WeTech, are going to know about the gender gap, are going to know how to get involved. So whenever I, I give a talk online or in person, whenever I like, get people's attention and I, and I tell them about WeTech, like, it's never really like about me. Personally, I think it's about what we as WeTech represent. And that's, and that's what really keeps me excited. And that's why I love doing these talks, even though sometimes the time difference can be brutal. And, and when I was back in the Philippines and speaking to a lot of audiences in the US, like I had one talk that was not one, I had like a, maybe like a couple, a handful that were like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I'd like willingly like do those things because I, I knew like the why behind like why I was doing them. And at the end of the day, I'm so glad I did because a lot of our, our recruits at WeTech come from people that have heard of WeTech through those like speaking engagements or just through events that we've like partnered with and that sort of thing. So it's all worth it in the end. 
Yeah, I love that mindset that you have. You know, I think it's so important to do what you love because you love to do it and not because you're scared of it or scared of something else or even just because you feel like you have to. So I absolutely love that mindset that you have going into all your work and your projects. And, you know, you do all these incredible things and you've made so many um, just incredible accomplishments. And so what would you say is something that you are most proud of in terms of achieving a specific goal or overcoming a certain obstacle? This is a really great question. And it brings me back to a moment a couple of weeks ago wherein we hosted a WeTech worldwide meeting where roughly 10 out of our 19 chapters were able to send representatives. And it was just so exciting to see young people from around different parts of the world just bond over mutual experiences in tech or just like interests that are totally unrelated to tech. And just going in, into these different breakout rooms and seeing all the laughter and smiles and the word community was thrown around a lot. And I just I just love that because at the end of the day, we like is the kind of community that I I wish I had when I was younger and that I, I wish for young people anywhere that want to be able to experience an inclusive, diverse community in tech to be able to access. Um, and I was so happy after that that mixer and just seeing so many faces that I'd worked with separately get along with each other um, just made me want to cry and I actually did like cry some happy tears afterwards because at the end of the day I think that that's what what makes the work that we do at WeTech so so worth it like feeling that sense of community and feeling as if we're creating tangible change in the tech industry and really seeing all these people their energies put together makes me just so motivated for what's to come mm-hmm. yeah for sure like I think that the best part of the work that you do is being able to see that impact that you're making. And so, especially when you can just see it all at once, like that's something so incredible. Um, But yeah, just to close out for today, uh, I wanted to know if you had maybe any advice for those young teens out there who are maybe still in high school and are interested in starting a nonprofit or a startup. My advice to anyone that would like to start a nonprofit or a company would be to be so invested in the problem that you want to help solve that you feel like you can't do nothing. I say that because I, I felt almost this like physical pull because I wasn't able to like sleep some nights when I was younger. I'm just thinking about the gender gap in tech. And I think that's when you really know that the problem that you want to solve is something you're so invested in. And that's so important because I see a lot of like nonprofits um, online and like they, they sound like they have really great potential but at the same time they don't they're not really focused on a specific problem and that like the field that they're trying to to disrupt or like help is like too broad so be specific talk to key stakeholders and utilize social media to find collaborators and know that there is no one perfect way to do this whole nonprofit process like everybody approaches it differently and it's all about what is specific to your context your community and your country mm-hmm. yeah that is wonderful advice and i think that anyone can learn from that Uh, those words that you've just mentioned and yeah I just love talking to you today and I really appreciated this conversation and getting to know you Um, but yeah do you have any platforms you wanted to shout out we're at vtech.org on Instagram and Twitter on Facebook we're just vtech w-i-tech personally I'm Audrey Isabel on Instagram and Twitter so that's Audrey and then I-S-A-B-E-L-P-E and I'm most accessible there, but you could also email me audrey at wetech.org for general inquiries about wetech. It's info at wetech.org. And for chapter inquiries, it's chapters at wetech.org.
All right. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on today as a guest. I mean, it was such a pleasure getting to know you and getting to know WeTech. And overall, I'm so happy we got to have this conversation.